You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was a joke going around about 1930 or so that President Herbert Hoover asked Treasury Secretary Mellon for a nickel in order to make a phone call to a friend. Well, Mellon said, why don't I give you a dime? And you can call all of them. Could anyone make the same joke today with Obama and Geithner? Do they hang? Does anyone hang with this president? Not important right now. Here's not the best statement to make, PR-wise, during a recession. Herbert Hoover in 1930. No one is starving. For instance, the hobo eats better than ever before. Eh. Hoover gets a bad rap, and believe me, I will do a podcast on all the ways that he's is misunderstood. I will say this. He didn't help himself with some of his statements. Hobos don't vote in great numbers. But nobody likes hobo bashing. That's not what's important. Here's what is. GDP, gross domestic product, essentially the economy, dropped from $103 billion in 1929 to $56 billion in 1933. One half. That's the economic output of the United States cut in half. And now? How much did we drop? Half? 25%? Really not that much. 14.3 trillion in 2008 GDP, 14.1 in 2009. That's a drop. And it hurts a lot more than the little number sound. But then in 2010, it went to 14.5 trillion up. And this year, well, I don't know, it's not over yet, but it won't go up so much. We're growing a little slowly right now. Maybe 14.7, 14.8. 14.9? Here's my point. You could stop listening right here. There's a big contrast between the Great Depression and what's happening today. Obviously, I won't stop right here. It's 1934, and reporters are all over Franklin Roosevelt because, well, he just got beat by the House of Representatives on a utilities bill. They added a provision he didn't want. The reporters want to talk about that, how he was bested politically, the political story. Oh, how little has changed. Franklin Roosevelt had a different idea. He had a 12-page paper in his hand. Now, gentlemen, he said, I've been told that what we are doing is boondoggles. I'm going to read from this paper all of the things that we have done. And if you get tired, gentlemen, we can stop. Protests about not answering questions on the utilities bill were ignored by the president. In Georgia, malaria control in Dublin, clearing woodland in Cairo, a sidewalk in Tallapalooza, a highway in Trenton. Then there was a pause. And the reporters thought maybe they might be able to jump in with a question about that utilities bill. But the president continued. In Indiana, the president was going to talk about every state. Log jams in Marion County. Ditch repair in Miami County. Okay, we're tired, one of the reporters said. The president, not living up to his promise, didn't listen. In Alabama, a storm sewer in Montgomery an asphalt street in Greenville. 
Okay, we're tired, Mr. President, the reporter said. Exhausted, another reporter said. He didn't hear them. He droned on, listing projects for several states for about 35 minutes. Then, a reporter asked the utilities question. FDR gave a quick brush off, and the press conference was over. Now, I can't see President Obama doing all that. In fact, his PR style may be a little more Hoover than FDR, but that's not the key point here. The key is the magnitude of both what went wrong in the 1930s and today, and how the government reacted to it was quite different. Everybody compares to the New Deal, few contrast. That's what we're trying to do today, if you'll let me. Okay, Salvatore Rosignolio asks, are we going to be taken in again by the proposed stimulus the president is pitching, cloaked as a jobs bill? Has America yet to discover that our own true power as a nation is our diversity and how bringing together these varied cultures together in a truly unfettered free market unleashes the economic juggernaut that is the United States? Should we succumb to the pleadings of our president to reward the administration's favorite enterprises, as evidenced in the Solyndra debacle? with subsidies that the marketplace neither demands nor going forward will reward. I think that as a nation, our public desires are undermined by private needs. We seem to be barraged by green ads on television and generally say we support efforts to green our economy, yet we consume 50 billion plastic bottles of water per year, and out of the 1.2 million vehicles that GM sold, only 4,000 were electric, and that every traffic light were surrounded by SUVs and minivans. To thine own selves be true. So writes Salvatore Rossignolio. Sal, 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 you are a lib, a true lib, but not that kind of lib. You are a libertarian, and so, of course, any kind of stimulus from the government is out. I won't answer the questions about being taken in by the chief executive, but I will ask this one. Do people of your persuasion, are those otherwise opposed to the administration, have a shining counterexample now, a shining counterexample to the New Deal? To bring out, anytime someone suggests, government intervention in the future. In other words, did the stimulus fail? Is Keynes dead? Well, of course he is. Is Keynesian economics dead? That's the, what we'll debate today. The so-called dismal science is full of experts who have theories usually about what happened in the past, less about what will happen in the future. But I'll leave it to the economists to say truly what happened with stimulus, and I'll talk a bit about what some of them are saying in a little bit. But now, my opinion. First, you should understand that I do this podcast with an ear for what's going on in the current politics and talk about history. But at any given time, I have a few podcasts in the background. One of these is a cast on the Soviet Union and what it was like to live there. I remember reading uh, one person was saying, there was a lot of ads on the TV in the Soviet Union. Ads? Why? It's communism. You don't need to sell anything. There's no reason to market or sell. Well, it turns out there was. There was always a lot of surplus goods, and so plenty of inventory that was unwanted, hence the ads. Now, that goes a little bit towards to your libertarian point about uh, the green ads on TV versus what we privately want. I should note, I do plan to do that Soviet Union book as a patio book with a charge. Uh -huh. The free market strikes. Back to the main point. So will we ever stimulate again now? Well, I doubt the politics are there anymore. Even where economists may calculate an effect from stimulus, I don't think there's applause from most Americans. Unemployment at 9.5 to 10%, sluggish growth. 
The president's job program, including more targeted tax cuts than spending, actually, is more likely a political weapon for the president's re-election than a proposal that will actually become law. I mean, there's some interest in the left side of the political spectrum, particularly in the tax on high incomes. But the idea of another AARA-type stimulus, where the government just spends lots of money, directed from the central office in Washington, was pretty much dead. What a difference two years makes. In 2009, Bernanke, Moody's, the Democrats in Congress were all in sync. They were just talking about how to stimulate. There were differences there, but somebody had to do a stimulus package. Jobs were being lost. The market was dropping. December, January, huge hundreds of thousands of job losses. On top of this, the bailouts of AIG, the auto industry, and the whole TARP program aggravated voters, especially the Democratic base. And Democrats were in control of Congress. Nancy Pelosi was getting the majority of mail against TARP, even as she pushed it through Congress. Former President Bush may not have asked for the stimulus, but he engaged in Keynesian logic twice in his presidency. A rebate check in 2001 and once again in 2008 designed to prime the pumps of the economy, to put money in the pockets of consumers who would then go out and spend. And yes, if we open up our Keynesian textbook, not necessarily John Maynard Keynes himself in every aspect, his was a general theory of economics, it wasn't for every situation, but in Keynesian economics, there's a multiplier. So I give, put a dollar in the pocket of an average American. They go out and spend, and there's two, three, four dollars in the economy now. Makes sense. And what we found in the last decade is just as tempting for a Republican president as tempting for a Democratic president who would be expected to support the work of John Maynard Keynes. And we saw both President Ford and President George W. Bush instituted some type of Keynesian program through a rebate check during their presidencies. It was hard to measure the effect of the Bush rebate checks. The 2001 checks were mailed right before 9-11, thus confusing to measure. As for the checks of early 2008, one study said that they may have increased spending by 3.5%, measuring households who got their checks versus those who didn't. Obviously, the then $150 billion stimulus could do nothing to prevent the economic disaster later in the year. Still, these two helped to set the pattern. Economy drops. Government acts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So spending $787 billion, maybe 6% of GDP, right, at the time, seemed like a winner. The Congress that just voted for $700 billion to bail out the banks would have no problem voting for another. Three Republican senators, Snow, Specter, Collins, voted for the stimulus bill. 
Let's look at gross domestic product. The economy essentially was negative 1% in the third quarter of 2008. By the second quarter of 2009, President Obama is in office now, he was still negative 7%. Terrible. Clearly a recession. But in 2010, with all the credits, cash for clunkers, the grants, the highway building, you have 5% growth in the second quarter. That's pretty good growth. We're back, maybe? But no. Second quarter of this year, 2011, saw anemic, one half of a percent of growth. Third quarter was no better, 1.3% growth. That's not enough to keep up. We'll see about the fourth. Numbers, numbers. They add up to no one feeling very good about the man in the White House. And that's where something abstract like adding up the output of the United States matters politically. But rather than look at all the economics mumbo-jumbo, what we can't see or predict, let's look at the facts. We know what the stimulus package was. Well, in my opinion, a good chunk of it, easily a third, was not stimulus by any definition. Medicaid, Medicare, 80 billion of that. Education, financial aid, COBRA, unemployment compensation. You've got one third of that going to what I could not call stimulus at all. Not new dollars. Replacing possibly lost dollars and making the hurt of a recession less, sure, programs that could be defended, but not stimulus. Stimulus is supposed to be something the government does that will then accelerate commerce out there. There was a little infrastructure, $40 billion, and a little bit highway, $22 billion in the stimulus bill. Good, but for something that most Americans probably understood as something of a WPA-type you know, infrastructure bill, there's very little infrastructure in that at all. Then you take that big, shocking $787 billion number and realize that it's spent the bulk of it over two years and some of it over the next two, with the most of $260 billion being spent in 2010. $260 billion is a lot of money, but in a $14.5 trillion economy, it's really not that much. Well, how can we really say that? Okay, let's compare what everyone's going to do, ARA to the New Deal. The New Deal, from 1933 to 1939, spent about $32 with all the varied programs. About $5 to $7 a year, right? The economy in 1933 was $56 and FDR got $4 billion approved for relief. So, President Roosevelt spending 8% of his GDP, directing that, most of that through his relief administrator, Harry Hopkins, and President Obama directing 2% of the economy through AARA. We hear a lot about the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, and that was the final agency that really was the culmination of the New Deal, Civilian Work Authority, and a little bit about the PWA, which is the Public Works Administration that built most of the bridges. You don't hear very much about the fourth agency that was very important, which is FERA, Federal Emergency Relief Agency. And that's because FERA did not do the beautiful political stuff, like you know, putting people to work and building bridges and things like that. FERA was simply a relief agency. And the truth be told, at least in the early part of the New Deal, the bulk of what the government was spending was on relief. Now, at the end of 1933, Franklin Roosevelt's first year in office, he said to Harry Hopkins, can't we take some of this money and just put people to work in the winter? We're going to have to shovel snow. We're going to have to rake leaves, etc. Can't we just take some of the money? And they did indeed take some of the relief money and give it to people who would do some kind of work so that they would have their dignity. But for the early part of the New Deal, there was a lot of relief going on. And honestly, it seems to me that this stimulus package was also a relief bill. 
and a tax cut with a very small highway and infrastructure bill that almost could have been passed separately. Relief is not stimulus, but it might be more realistic to describe what appears to have happened. Anyone on unemployment, anyone who worked for a company that got a grant, anyone who used COBRA benefited from this stimulus package, but likely not in a stimulative way. If they're on unemployment, they certainly weren't adding a lot of new dollars to the economy. Stimulus in its nature should be superlative, and thus, I think, the disappointment. Now, I've been discussing my unprofessional opinion about economics, and there's a host of economic studies that, some positive, some negative, that have been done about the recession. Now, James Fenyer and Bruce Sacerdote, to apologize for pronunciation, of Dartmouth, looked at employment growth in states compared to the amount of stimulus money spent there. State level, then on the county level, looking again at employment versus spending, month by month, and they found a positive effect about 47 cents for every dollar spent from the stimulus. So you spend one stimulus dollar and you get an extra 0.47 of economic effect. John B. Taylor of Stanford looked at the change in personal income as a result of the tax provisions to see if there was any and looked at consumption. Then he compared the timing of increases in state and local aid, which is part of the stimulus package, with state and local purchases. He found no increase in consumption. People cut down on borrowing, both people in towns, but no increase in consumption was measurable. Then there was a study by Owen Reese of Columbia University. They found somewhere in between. The stimulus worked, but it was only about a nickel of extra economic effect for every dollar spent. I think economists struggle with isolating variables, how much is new growth, how much is just things that people would have had already? Would a company have fired an employee if they didn't get that grant through the stimulus package? Would they have kept the person on maybe another year hoping that there was more business coming? There's a lot of variables here. And so in some ways, it comes back to us economic pedestrians to decide. If you ask me, I think the stimulus may shine a light on the whole idea of this Keynesian multiplier model where a dollar leads to several dollars. It could happen. It might happen in a perfect case. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. 
the nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. But not in the kind of numbers perhaps thought, and we may have learned that it matters how you do the stimulus if you want it to have such an effect. Yet on the other hand, in 2009, the bottom didn't fall out. This is not a depression. As we said, GDP going from $91 billion in 1930 to $66 billion in 1934, nothing proportional to that happened here. And you're only talking about GDP dropping a little bit and then going up in 2010. Torpor, recession, slowdown, jobless recovery, whatever it is, the 1930s are not even close to what's happening now. Does it mean that this was just a lighter event? Or does it mean that the stimulus saved us all? Do we have, perhaps, more shock absorbers in our economy now through unemployment, social security, the FDIC, things that were set up to be a base safety net. Did the stimulus work? Am I going to be able to convince people if they don't believe in any kind of government intervention already? You tell me an economist that every one of every political persuasion can get behind and will have a professional answer. Other than that, it's for all of us to think. I would guess it's relief and not stimulus. And in that limited mandate, it worked. But I can't tell you if we should do it again or if some smaller amount would have been better. It's likely it should have been done in a different way. It's unlikely it shouldn't have been done at all. I don't know if you have an example to pull out that is going to be looked at in history as just as bad as, as the New Deal was good, supposedly, in, in the narrative of both. The rush to stimulus comes from the desire of American voters to put responsibility for the economy on the American presidency and the American Congress. Yet not even the most pro-government interventionist economists would say that the president sits there with a lever and can reverse these changes. They might argue for a little stimulus, but no one's thinking that the government can direct the economy as much as voters do. We should probably stop doing stimulus or thinking that the government can actually stimulate anything and Stick with what the government does well. Relief, safety nets, infrastructure. I want to thank you for listening. The website's myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. You will see a link there to the Facebook site. We've changed a little bit uh, on the Facebook site. I'm doing the posting. Archive is available for $14.99 right now. And uh, if you do like the program, please tell somebody about it. And I thank you for listening.